0: What's up internet friends? I'm Kevin Garaventa and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club, a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus Extra library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. Today we are talking about Everspace, a game developed and published by Rockfish Games in May of 2017. Here, players cruise through a roguelike space shooter, trying to survive randomly generated hazards and enemy battalions using whatever weapons they find or build along the way. Joining me today is someone very special from the Kinda Funny best friend community, Matt Kennedy. Welcome to the Game Club.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Going great. First of all, thank you very much for for jumping in and playing this game. The The first person that suggested this failed out of it after a few minutes, so I really appreciate you uh, jumping in and checking this out.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, It was a good time, and uh, and appreciate the recommendation.
0: Oh, of course. And also, someone very close to me who I share a long gaming history with, Tim Garaventa. Welcome.
2: And who am I? Tim Garaventa. I am your your younger brother. (laughs) I didn't get the, the special, but yeah, I'm your younger brother, and I definitely feel like a younger brother right here. Uh, going back into the games, playing with you. This was a great experience, so I'm excited yeah. to be here.
0: Th- this is great. As soon as I started playing this, I-, I thought to myself, I should send this to Tim because it reminds me of an old game that we had on, I, I think on our PC, way back in like the, the late 90s called Free Space 2. Uh, if, you- if you remember that, like this one really made me think of those days where we were playing that together. And it really did. I-, I had to share it with you. So, really glad you're here, too.
2: I appreciate you sharing it with me. Um, It has, uh, it's been, it's it's really, it it really did take me back to free space, too. Just with kind of like how you just felt like a tiny little speck in this huge, big, vast universe, which we're going to get into. Oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely. But before we start our trip through Everspace, is there anything you want to plug or promote?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm also uh, doing a podcast. It started out as just a project just so I could learn how to do it because I'm a teacher and I'm trying to encourage my students to use more technology in the classroom. So my neighbor who is into film and uh, production uh, mentioned that he wanted to do one too so that he could kind of learn the ropes. So we started one uh, and it's called Break It Down with Rick and Tim.
0: So what do you guys talk about on Break It Down?
2: Random stuff. Honestly, for me, I created it to be kind of an instructional video. Uh, not necessarily an instructional video in and of itself, but more of something that I could use in my classroom. Uh, but it kind of morphed into this more, uh, we're just kind of talking about what's going on in the world and uh, wasting time, really. Like I said, nonsense.
0: Sometimes but some interesting of those... nonsense. <laughs> Sometimes some of those are the best shows to listen to. It's just a show about nothing. Like Seinfeld.
2: Right. It's yeah. Exactly. That's what that's kind of what it came to mind. And yeah. it's very close to it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. But if you want to be part of a show like this, you can write in to the PlayStation Plus Game Club at uh, our email address at psplusgameclub at gmail.com with game suggestions or thoughts you have about our monthly featured game. Uh, and speaking of that, again, our game this month is Everspace.
2: All right, I'm excited.
0: First of all, I, I think it would be a really good idea to define what a roguelike is, because that's that's sort of the, the core structure of this game. Have either of you played a roguelike before? I know, Matt, you had mentioned uh, a few minutes before we started that you're playing another one right now. But uh, a roguelike is, for anyone listening that doesn't know, is where... Levels are randomly generated through a set that the, the game has, and you never know what you're really going to run into when you, you play a stage and you can pick up any number of random weapons and fight any number of random enemies. And it's never the same twice. And if you end up getting killed, blown up or like failing a level, you get sent back to the very beginning of the game and you have to start your run all over again. You know, what, what kind of roguelikes have you played before, and do you generally like them?
1: Yeah, I'm um, kind of recently got into roguelikes actually. Um, so I think my first one um, this past summer I got into was Dead Cells. Um, really enjoyed Dead Cells. Dead Cells was great to be able to played it. Um, and then when they launched the um, the PlayStation Plus um extra library i jumped into returnal and i really enjoyed that i almost jumped off kind of had trouble getting over the hump Mm -hmm. um but once i did and really found my rhythm with that game um really enjoyed returnal
0: yeah yeah i found that like whenever i try and play roguelike i often get very discouraged by like a death or a failure because i get sent back to the beginning and i lose a ton of progress and i really have to push through that that disappointment and just be like all right well i gotta try again and i just get so frustrated that i lost a lot of stuff that i liked using or uh i got so close and then like have to go all the way back to the start tim absolutely uh, tim do you have any experience with roguelikes
2: yeah you know um i I do you know that uh when 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 the windows or is it google i think is having trouble connecting to the internet they give that little dinosaur yeah (laughs) <laughs> and you have to run and jump over the things and all that shit. Uh, that's my last experience with it. And honestly, I experienced that one a lot because uh, at, at school, kids are always playing that. And I always give them challenges. And, it, you know, I work it in. And it, it's great. I love that because, you know, you just get – part of the thing is is you can pick it up and you can play and you can do a run. And afterwards, when you die, you can just kind of relax and be like, whew, in a sense. Uh, and you can move on. That's yeah. the joy of this game. Yeah, I think
0: it so also, far. Yeah, yeah, it, and it it also makes like this kind of structure makes uh, those those really good runs feel very exhilarating. Like you just accomplished something huge, and right. it, it feels great to do that. Uh, and but, you, get
2: a, you get progress still when you do a run. It's not like a, you, you don't get nothing for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference, though, between roguelikes and roguelites. And okay. the, the term, like, roguelite has come about after roguelikes started to get made. And then they, like, some games mm. that were roguelikes started to implement progress that you could save permanently once you, you finished a run. Like, in this game, it is a roguelite because you get to upgrade your ship after you, you get blown up and you still get right. to keep all the money that you collected. But, you know, your upgrades start at your next run and you can then get a little bit further with, like, better hull points or, you know, more shield or more weapon damage, whatever. And it it makes it slightly easier the more you play. But at first, it is punishingly hard.
2: Right, Yeah. So the difference between the two is like, for example, my, my dinosaur game that you start over at the beginning with nothing and you can't upgrade. That's a roguelite. That's light. And then yours, the Everspace roguelite.
0: That's right. Because L I K. Yeah. L I K has no, or L I K E, excuse me, has no progress saved. And okay. an, an example of that is like the binding of Isaac, um, and that just unlocks more weapons that you might find in your next run. But no matter what, you always start out with three hearts in your health. That's it. Uh, but this one, it's like, you know, after you play a couple of times, you're going to have a better ship, or you might have money to buy a new ship like you can in this game. So right. it there, there are some, some differences, and I that's what I think makes rogue Lights a bit easier to play because it does feel like you have some sort of progress even if you do have a failure okay so there is a story to this this game and uh it it is i i didn't find it particularly like moving or special but it did fit the roguelite uh kind of structure for the game itself uh where yeah I... i i thought it was an interesting setup uh what did you think about it matt
1: yeah, I like the way that it kind of weaved into that resetting nature. Um, I, I guess we can't get into spoilers just yet about it, but um, yeah, I really like how the yeah. story weaved in kind of how you're coming back uh, to, to fight the next fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a, a quick pitch is that your character is a clone of some other person right. who is in cryo sleep that is dying, and uh, you know you're you're trying to get or fi- find your way. To this this laboratory where he is in cryosleep, and also figure out who you are and why you're in cryosleep. Uh, and then at the same time, there is like an old friend who's chasing you and and hunting you down. Uh, and and your your history with this person reveals more about what's going on. So it is uh, it is interesting. I I didn't find it that moving, and also the the whole story is. Uh, for for me, it's a little bit lackluster because it's all told in like still frame uh, graphics. And there's not much that went into that in particular in terms of devel- development, I thought. But uh, the stories that you can create for yourself along the way that often happen in a roguelite uh, are really what make this game special. And it's really what I loved about it. Uh, what did you think about that, Tim?
2: yeah I mean the the story to me it was secondary i mean i I enjoyed kind of you know the 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 parts of it, but for me, I was more focused on like the the mechanics of the game and like the little puzzles that you could find and the uh you're you're right, the own little st- stories that you make for yourself while you're in the game. so while, I did like that there was an overall story. it did feel like the whoever was developing this, which we know who it is Rockfish uh, Games. it felt yeah. Rockfish games, yeah, it felt like they kind of just like got to the point of the story where they're like, here's our storyboards. And they were like, you know what? Just throw – we'll just skip the, mo- skip the movie, skip the cut scenes. We'll just do the storyboards. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. everything else is, is, is what we're focusing on. People don't really care. They just It, it felt like it just wasn't uh, part of the heart and soul of the game.
0: But regarding everything else, it does feel like a lot of love and attention to detail – Went into the rest of this game, and that's where I think it really shines. Yeah, Matt, what did you uh, think about the the story in general? Just like no spoilers, but uh, the whole setup.
1: Yeah, I, I really agree with uh, what him kind of said there, and, and yourself actually with the the cutscenes. They weren't that engaging. You know, it's kind of like a, a stop motion still frame and just some dialogue. Yeah. Um, by the end of it I was kind of interested in why we were trying to get to this uh, get to this um, cryo body I guess yeah yeah at the laboratory yeah it, but um, it, it did feel secondary to kind of the rest of the game
0: yeah it's still a cool concept but uh, you know I, I, I loved more more than that I loved just cruising through these randomly created stages and trying new stuff. What I'd like to, to ask you guys is uh, just on a on a base level for someone who hasn't played this, is it would you say that it is worth your time to play? Uh, you know, is it or is it not worth your time? Should they try it if they have PS Plus or do you you know, kind of want to say I should have paid money for this? It's that good.
2: Well, I paid thirty dollars for it. So
0: <laughs> That's uh, right. You you were playing um, this on PC. I, I forgot about that's that. That's right. Yeah. I did.
2: And here's the thing. The controls on the PC, because uh, this is a very important thing, are the best controls I've ever played with uh, in terms of a, a space shooter. It's They're they're incredible. I was able to pick them up and learn them with ease in no time. And that's big, because I've played a couple of space sims uh, that have been out, uh, and I'm not too thrilled with them as far as how to control them, and it's just hard to maneuver. And this one, it just made it real easy. Plus, the, the whole strafing and everything just made it. Real smooth, so yeah. Uh, I would say that, uh, and and here's the other thing: the way it was designed, this whole doing the run thing makes it easy to pick up and just play because you can get to the end of a run and you know be like, you know, what I'm just gonna kill myself for fun, boom, and just take the money, Bank. <laughs> right? And and because it's that rogue light, like like right, rogue rogue, rogue like rogue, rogue, rogue light. It was the rogue light, yeah. Right, you don't have to feel bad for you know killing yourself. Because yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how I would end all of my runs, which is why I didn't make it very far is what I discovered <laughs> before I discovered the the goal of the game. Because like, oh, this is fun. Boom. There I go. Um, and I made some money. So I was buying my upgrades and stuff, which is great. I love that you can do that about this, because here's the other thing. I'm a father of two and I have very little time to play. So I can pick up my computer and play for like an hour, maybe at a time before I'm exhausted and want to go to bed but, uh, or, you know, during nap time, I've got two hours where I can pick up this game and play and I can do that. And that's the best part about it. Yeah. I think for me, so on a scale of, should I buy it to, it's not worth the money. I would say that it's, um, if you like playing by yourself and like, you just want to pick it up and play whenever you have the time, it's definitely at the top of my list of games that I'm going to be playing. So I would say, yeah, buy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned how easy it is to to start playing but it is also incredibly complex in how much detail they have thrown into the the world itself that they've built like for instance there's there's probably I think 5 or 6 different alarms on your spaceship that you could hear at any one time and they all mean something different and they all try and and, and like convey this instantaneous information to you if you recognize what they mean but They, there's, there's a ton of stuff in there for you to learn, but you don't necessarily have to spend time learning just how to move around and and stuff. It's very intuitive. Can I, can
2: I say something along, along with that? Yeah. Uh, Because I agree. I think that it's very complicated, but here's the thing. Here's the difference is you discover that along the way, right? It's not one of those things where you have to learn everything all at once. And you go through this really long, intensive tutorial, or that there's too much stuff that you're like, okay, I can't, I don't have the time to grind out all these mechanics. They're intuitive enough that, yeah, it's you're gonna hear the alarms, but it's gonna condition you. Okay, that's the the alarm for the incoming enemy, and this is the one for the. There's a black hole, and this is the one for, you know, pirates or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and then like, uh, the same goes for like crafting and and building and upgrading. Like, you might not have to to learn that until maybe like sector two or or something but uh it's there for you to easily just notice and say oh i can craft stuff or oh i can upgrade this gun that's great but it doesn't get in your way it doesn't force you to learn this kind of thing so that that's right. one thing i really loved about right. it matt uh you know what do you think how would you rate it between you know worth your time or not worth your time try it if you have ps plus i should have paid money for it what do you think?
1: um in my opinion i would say try to have playstation plus um especially if you're kind of into space games um yeah i I think what tim said about um kind of the movement and stuff um it does really nail it i I did find it was a bit of a a learning curve for me at the beginning maybe it was just a bit different um between that and the combat um but once i got the hang of it after you know a couple runs um I i think it's it's really really well done yeah um but yeah, I, I don't know that I would have paid money for it. Maybe, you know, $5, $10, um, you know, a, a 10 to 15 hour experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say, yeah, try it if you have PS Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Flying in it is like, it, it. either it sticks with you right away or you really kind of have to get used to it. And the first person that uh, suggested we play this game and then bailed on it, he couldn't really get into it because he said, there's no floor for me to orient myself. I can't stand flying around in open space like this. And if you just can't really wrap your head around the idea that there is no up and down, there's just what you're looking at. And it could be at any perspective. It could be at any rotation. If right. you can't get around that, it's really hard to, to orient yourself in the stage that they've set up
1: yeah that might might have been my uh my issue early on actually i never really put it that way but that that makes sense you
0: know i I do have to say that like about maybe a couple hours after i started playing i realized there's an auto roll that automatically orients your ship to one specific uh up and down if you're facing uh laterally enough but i kind of found that annoying and i ended up turning that off so even to the point where like i made it even harder for myself to sense a a true up and down space i i ended up loving it even more because then i felt like i had much more control over my ship in in open space and that was that was one thing that i th- i think it made me feel like i wasn't necessarily flying an x-wing because that's very bombastic and it's always very straightforward And it looks like all the the X-Wings are always lined up the same way. This felt even more like I was flying uh, a Raptor in Battlestar Galactica where they're going in every direction and you don't have any sense of uh, up and down. You just you're you're trying to fly around asteroids or or like uh, ship debris and just trying to to find something in any direction.
2: We're going to talk about this when it gets to, like, space combat, but I, I have to agree with you. I loved how the the feel of the open space. I I was I maybe, maybe I'm opposite, maybe I'm weird, maybe I'm just strange. But I felt like I was swimming once I learned the controls and how to pitch and yaw and all that stuff. Because it's all right there with your hand, you know, just the, you just go up with the E and the, the Q to just, like, you know, turn and stuff like that. And then with the whole strafing and... And so, like uh, my my favorite gun that we're gonna talk about, but but you would roll right past the enemy, and you could just turn to the side, and as they went by, just boom, hit them as they went. And it, yeah. that was one of the one of the most satisfying feelings ever. And it just and you turn around and you just fly by each other, but you'd be facing each other. And that was the great part about this game is because you did feel like it was Battlestar Galactica, where everybody was just kind of turning and pitching and yawning, but still flying through the air at all these crazy angles and stuff.
0: Yeah, dodging it was shots. Chaos. And... Yeah, yeah. I, I I loved it. And one thing we didn't mention was the photo mode. Uh, It is, it's not really a robust photo mode. It is pretty much just like a way for you to pause the action and then uh, take a snapshot of whatever's happening, but you can orient the camera in whatever way you want. And that, uh, you know, it, it does let you really take in some of those, those cool action scenes. Uh, the the episode art for this for this episode is definitely something that I took myself and like place the, the logo on top of, but mm. uh, it is it's really cool to just stop and look at.
2: That's yeah, the they're... thing. That's the other thing about this game is that it, it, visually it's it's every every new sector gives something gorgeous to look at.
0: Yeah, yeah. The skyboxes in this game, beautiful, and those are are also randomly generated, but you might end up uh you know flying around the rings of you know a giant planet and you know it, it looks like you're in very close orbit to Saturn or Jupiter and it's beautiful
1: yeah those are really really well done
0: yeah yeah one mm. other thing that that we should touch on is there is DLC for this game uh that is is the encounters DLC that you can download to add even more to it and i f- i don't necessarily like recommending uh people get dlc to make the game feel more complete but in this case i really did feel like it made a good game even better because it filled out that that open space even more with more enemies to fight uh some more allies to find and help you out more traders more weapons there's a you originally start with three ships to choose from you only have one that you can you can fly and then you have to buy the other two. But then the DLC adds a fourth ship that feels like your first ship, but with different abilities. And it's really cool, too. You get some new weapons as well that I feel like really catered to my playstyle and made the game feel a lot easier for me. But it really did feel like it, it filled out that space even more and it blends in really well with the rest of the game to a point where I'm not entirely sure what's part of the DLC and what is just the base game. So when we get to the spoiler section later and I ask you, if you've run into this thing or that thing, I'm not entirely sure if it was available to you, if you didn't have the DLC, but that's right. how good it integrates itself into the game. So I, I highly recommend that if you've got this game and you've tried it out for a couple hours and like the field, the space, sh- the, the the shooting and the flying, and you want to play even more of it, get the DLC because it is great. It adds a lot of really cool stuff in there. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys have run into some of that stuff, too. But uh, it created some I, I think it created some wild stuff for my game. So before we get into spoilers, one more thing, just as a fun thing, uh, if you were taking a road trip through space, what music are you bringing with you?
1: You know, I think Guardian of the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy kind of ruined me there. Um, <laughs> I feel like whenever I whenever I think of space now, it's like 80s, 80s rock. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe some aha.
0: That, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Meatballs Bad at Hell. <laughs> or meatlo- Sorry, Meatball
2: Meatloaf. Meatball, meatloaf, same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I uh, when I was playing this, uh, after a while, I, you know, after I'd finished the story, I started doing more runs because uh, I just wanted to like cruise around and, and find other stuff to do, and I started to listen to some music by Dynatron, um, and that that music, like it is, it is all instrumental stuff, but it is, uh, some, like a just one guy creating what sounds like music out of a 1970s sci-fi movie. And it is perfect for cruising the galaxy among like other like random planets and just taking in a, a gorgeous view and, and relaxing, even though sometimes the gameplay in this game is not relaxing at all. It is still just beautiful to sit there and look at and, and have this music playing at the same time. So uh, I, I think that one pairs really well. If you've got Spotify, look up Dynatron and then uh, start start playing this game. So so I think Dynatron is a great great pick for that. Also like I I, I love Synthwave and this kind of relates to it. So um, you know of course I would stumble upon this guy eventually, but that would be my pick for for road trip music through space. But the reason why we are saving like our our full-on spoiler talk for the majority of this episode is because with a roguelike, generally the, the stuff that you run into is a surprise and that's what makes it really special, but it's also random. So if someone starts playing this game, they might not run into the stuff that we are about to talk about, but if you do, it is a fun surprise to, to see that kind of thing happen or that kind of thing appear. But, uh, you know, it's not a terrible spoiler for us to to tell you, like, there are, you know, black holes out there that you run into or a lightning storm. It's just that the stuff that happens with the story is, you know, it can kind of be a spoiler. And then uh, the stuff that happens in between those story beats that we just happen to run into are really special and might be a big surprise. So if you do want to go play this game without having some of those surprises spoiled for you, uh, go ahead and pause the, the show after we warn you about spoilers. But, um, you know, it is I there are some great stories that I have to tell myself, and I hope you guys, too.
1: But I don't know about great ones, um, <laughs> but I, I've got the, a couple couple funny ones, a couple uh, whoopsie doodles. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got some good stories.
0: Yeah. But, before we start talking about spoilers for Everspace, we do want to talk about the next game that we have coming up next month. And next month we will be taking a different kind of trip with Tetris Effect. That is going to be our next game for the month. And I hope you look forward to that game in April. If you have the chance, give that a try. A very ethereal and interesting game to, to talk about. So I'm looking forward to that one. But here we go. Spoilers for Everspace. First of all, uh, we'll start out with the story. Again, your, your character is a clone uh, of a guy named Adam Roslin, who was a pilot in the Colonial Fleet, and he's been poisoned by someone, and then uh, he's been placed in cryosleep to await a new body from this cloning lab that you know he will eventually transfer his consciousness into. However... Since he's like, uh, you know, just sleeping there, your clone, it, who you play as, is just flying through space and trying to get across this sort of no man's land uh, of a battlefield that is plagued by what are called the Okar, like, I, I guess they're like Okar forces or uh, like an Okar alien race. And. Uh, there was a war between them, and now like the the war is over, and this is a no man's land that you're trying to uh, fight your way through and and get to safety. Did you guys uh, like gather that from the beginning of the game? Like that that's how that's how the first few stages uh, progress, and and like you get pieces of that story as you go.
2: Yeah, I kind of figured that out after a while. After there was like yeah. You know... Because one of the best parts of the game that I thought was yeah. going in, like, salvaging and stuff like that. And just kind of, you know, finding those little treasure troves of things. And um, I liked when they had, like, shipwrecks and such. And I kind of was like, wow, there's a lot of this stuff. So clearly, uh, the story, as the story progressed, you're like, okay, there was, like, huge battles and there was yeah. a big war, obviously. Uh, and you see a lot of private companies. So you're going, it's really out here, there's a lot of just, a lot of that going on. People just trying to salvage stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah. And-
0: and those shipwrecks that you find along the way, those might have like uh, like uh, text files for you to read. And they're they're like small mini stories for you to read there mm-hmm. about someone who crashed their ship and, and died there. But uh, overall, it's just kind of like something random for you to find. And it doesn't impact your the sto- the, the larger story, uh, but it, it's just kind of there for you to see. You know, Matt, was there any anything particularly about the, the setup? setup? of the story that that you liked
1: no i, I think you guys covered it yeah. um yeah it was pretty cool to kind of discover those the shipwrecks and scan the text files um i didn't find those that particularly interesting some of them i just kind of skimmed through to get the the gist of it but it was always cool to come across kind of the the big wreckages and you're like yeah okay what kind of went down here um you know, it must have been some big battle to take down this, yeah. this size of ship but,
0: and and it always yeah. made me wonder too like you know, the the whole game is divided into six sectors for you to traverse across and each of these sectors has like five four or five stages for you to complete and each one of those is is completely random but um, you know there could be any number of things uh in those early sectors that are there like there might be an asteroid with um, you know, a, a couple of like mining droids that are just mining the the minerals off of the asteroid, and there's there's a corporation that is uh, controlling these droids called G&B, and they're relatively neutral for you know toward your character, but they might end up attacking the enemies that are in that area, uh, be, just because they're they're nearby, and you could by accident loot one of their ships or one of their space stations and get them to be hostile to you and then they're hostile to you for the rest of the sector it's it's really interesting how uh some some of that can escalate really quickly out of your control and uh you kind of just have to deal with it
2: i will say this though um i think it's bringing that in Back around to is is learning how to use uh those kind of resources in the game so for example whatever once i learned that i couldn't like take on some of these enemies uh the first thing i would do when i would jump to a new place is look around for where the private companies are that are neutral yeah. and so if i the tail and this is one of my favorite parts of the game i would And and there was always just debris everywhere, right? And some of the my favorite places were the ones that had just like like just tons of debris. Because once you got good at maneuvering the ship, it was just like weaving in and out of all these asteroids and stuff, like you know, in Star Wars when they're going through the the asteroid field, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, And then flying them up to where the private companies are and using them to just you know shake them off. It was that's one of the ways that I would only survive, or I'd get them up there and I would turn and try to jump from there if i could you know Mm -hmm. if i'm doing really bad yeah so i like that that aspect of it
0: and that's that's just a general gameplay of it uh yeah you know if you spend too much time in one stage the okar will jump into that stage and start to fight you and that's kind of your cue to to say like you better get going because like you better move on to the next stage because you know these enemies are going to keep coming and they're going to send in bigger enemies to start fighting you until okay i
2: have a story about this can i tell it yeah okay so uh one of the my the, one of the fun things about the game too is when you go and you find a shipwreck sometimes it'll be a puzzle you have to solve so i was flying around the shipwreck that was like in an asteroid and i had to find the right like file thing uh and so i was flying all around the ship i eventually found it and when i finally got it uh, the moment i got it that alarm came on for the Osa car. and i was like shit uh and so i sorry i was like <laughs> oh no and so i flew back down in there as fast as i could i think i got hit by a laser beam that was like going back and forth too so i all of a sudden lost my shield <laughs> and then i got into the little apartment thing opened up the uh opened up the uh the the crate and it was One of those, yeah. It was. It was. uh, It had the 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 story, but it also had a bunch of cool, you know, uh, upgrades and such. I think I got like some really cool gear. But then uh, the Osa Car just started shooting the ship that I was in, and I started taking damage, and uh, I almost didn't make it out, Uh, but I managed to see the jump through the exit, and I uh, got in uh, in line with it, and managed to jump out of the ship hmm, basically, uh, and <laughs> into safety. It was a very close call.
0: You did like an internal I was very ship. much surrounded. You, you did like an, a jump from the ship internally because you could see <laughs> the beacon outside. And as long as you could align yourself without an obstruction, you can visually see it, you made the jump.
2: Kinda. What I did was this. So I one of the things that and this was the cool part. One of the things that I had picked up was the thing that slows the time, right? Yeah. And it gives you a little so I was able to hit that as I boosted out facing it. And the moment I got out, because you know, I don't think it allows you to jump out like within the ship, but I lined myself up and poof, out I went and uh, I could all the, the energy weapons were flying yeah. and just barely missing me. But it allowed me time to line up and boost myself out and hit hit that that slow down and make it out of the ship and jump so it was very much a close call
0: yeah yeah there is a challenge like that before you start the game lists out a bunch of challenges that you can do and one of them is to ser- like jump out of a, a sector or a stage that has battle cruisers in it and those are the biggest enemy that they will send at you uh before like like if you wait around in the Okar Alarm going off, if you wait around for too long with that going off, uh, they will send these, uh, first they'll, they'll send in more fighters, then they'll send in uh, Corvettes that are like bigger ships that have big weapons on them. And even if you are able to either survive or take them down and you're still in the stage, they will send in these giant battle cruisers that have beam weapons on them. And these lasers, they took me out Uh, Even when I tried to escape the sector and make the jump, (laughs) they started shooting me and making my ship shake so bad that I lost track of the the jump beacon and I could not escape. That's how bad it is. But there was one way to get that challenge done, and that was to use the insta jump. So, uh, Matt, did you use the insta jump at all?
1: No, I actually I wasn't really good in this game at or particularly any games at yeah. kind of using consumables. <laughs> it's always like I'll save this for when I might need it later, and then that ends up not happening because you because you die and you don't get to take the consumables when you die. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I would say I I didn't pick it up that often, but there it was probably like an instance or two where I. I should have used it, and I didn't use it, kind of similar to Tim's story. You know, I'm in scavenging a, a ship, um, but it turns out I'm running out of time. And uh, I, I probably could have used it to save save a good bit of health to, to get out of there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, I think that was the only time that I actually felt like I really needed to use it, because any other time I felt like I I would say, you know, I could take care of this, I can handle this, and then i get right. you know, blown out of the sky. I would never instantly think like oh i can just get out of this situation right away using the insta jump so i didn't find it terribly necessary except to complete that one particular challenge survive in a stage that has battle cruisers and uh those things like it, it, if you see those things show up you're dead it doesn't like there's no way to escape it unless you have the insta jump so going into these early sectors. They do have hazards like for you, for you to encounter, and one of the first ones that I found were uh like nebula clouds, and they impair your your sensors so you can't see stuff as far ahead of you on your like on your readings. So like you might not see resources as close by as as you would in just open space you'd have to get really close for them to just show up on your screen as labeled like oh here's some ore over here or here's a crystal that you can mine you have to get really close to these things to actually see them when there's nebula clouds in your sector and seeing them for the first time i i thought like well this is really cool and then i got frustrated matt what was your first hazard that you encountered
1: Um, the first hazard I think I encountered was the Electrical Storm. Um, so the Electrical Storm damages your shields only, kind (laughs) of periodically. And, yeah, hazards that kind of make you take damage, I find, are are super annoying. Um, but once I moved on to that second ship that doesn't actually have a shield, that's just straight health, um, they they didn't really bother me because I I wasn't actually taking damage, but, yeah, that, that first Electrical Storm I ran into... You know, I was in that that base ship, um, and I was just like, "Yeah, I get me out of here. I've I've had enough of this." <laughs> yeah. So
0: I I ran into one of those sectors, and I I was like, "Oh no! Like this is gonna suck. I need to get out of here as fast as I can." And I started getting attacked by a squadron, and then I realized, "Wait a second! I'm in a gunship. Gunships don't have shields." And, and so I just waited for a second while they got struck by lightning, and then they didn't have shields anymore, and I. Shot him in like two or three hits, and that was it.
1: Yeah, never, never thought of that uh, using it to your advantage against the enemies. But yeah, cool.
0: It's pretty ridiculous. Tim, uh, you know any any experience with the the electrical storm?
2: Yeah, that was my first uh, actual like uh, thing, and it was funny because it was right as I jumped into the F- sector three for the first time, and I actually I it was it was right before I d- I died almost immediately afterwards. So <laughs> I went up to the electrical storm and I went into it and I hit by lightning once and I was like mm. like it zapped me like I hit an electrical like wall or like something and I just kind of was like fuck this and I just turned out, and then I got attacked by some rockets, yeah, and died. So yeah. so that was my experience with the electrical storm. I was like, I'm having nothing to do with this. Yeah. So yeah, and there's there's
0: uh, an entire stage like could be enveloped in an electrical storm. And that's right. that's where it gets really annoying where it's like, if you're flying with either a scout or the interceptor, your shield is gonna be nothing in there. And
2: right. it's, it's and well. Really, what I was gonna say also is that the the thing too is that some of these some of these when you go into these sectors, some of these stages within the sectors are so big and what I realized is that when you get there there's a time limit on how much time they're gonna let you hang around. So you kinda of have to decide is that worth, you know, exploring or do I wanna go off and fly this way for a while and see what else comes up? Because I've, you know, gotten to a point where like, oh my god, here come the Osaka and they're like, Oh, but I miss that whole area over there. I could have, you know spend yeah. some time though so there is that you have to consider too so yeah
0: if you um, end up like just kind of like dawdling around and not really exploring anything and then you you try and make the most of your of the of the stage you're in you know eventually they're going to catch up to you and force you out of the stage no matter what so um you know the the electrical storm i think was one of the the easier hazards to kind of get you used to to the idea that there is more out here than just enemies to fight. There's other stuff out here that that can really screw you up. Uh, Matt, a- anything else about the electrical storm?
1: Yeah, I w- just wanted to add um, when I fr- when I ran into that electrical storm for the first time, I believe I spawned like immediately into it. So I just kind of assumed that the hazard was that that whole area. So you know I was gonna be losing my shield the whole time, but yeah. in reality, it's just kind of a, an area of that that space. You know, so the there's a way you can actually get around and avoid these uh, these hazards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, Tim, you said right afterwards you got hit by a rocket. Uh, and that was that was one of those things that, like when, when I, I was talking to you earlier about this game, that was something that I was trying to warn you about, uh, where like you there are like different turrets in this game that you can shoot at you. Uh, there's, there's like a Gatling turret that you know, shoots a Gatling gun at you. There's uh, a rocket turret that will shoot rockets. And those are like small light missiles. But uh, if a missile silo gets its eyes on you and shoots a missile at you, those things are like terrifying because of the, the alarm that goes off to warn you that you have a missile attacking you. first time i heard it i didn't know what was happening and i got killed and it, it was like i i thought to myself me what too. the hell was that <laughs> like what was that and and then i was like well <laughs> something got me and then the second time i actually hurt, saw the rocket go off and was flying fast enough to get out of the way but if you hear this alarm you bet your ass you better move it and boost your way out of its path the real hard part, though, is the fact that it tracks you, and it tracks you really fast. So one of the best things to do is get yourself on the other side of an asteroid or a piece of space debris and let the missile hit something else. And then hopefully you can fly out and get a bead on the missile, on the, on the, the silo itself, and shoot it before it's able to launch another missile at you. Matt, did you ever run into any of the missile silos?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen uh, tons of those missile yeah. silos. Um, and yeah, like you said, the the alarm sound, um, once you hear that for the first time, you know you're in some serious danger. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. yeah, it's odds, a... odds are you've nope. heard the other alarms in the game, but you haven't heard this one. And this one is, it's sharp, it's loud, it's high-pitched, and very fast, depending on how close the missile is to you. Uh, and it, it is shocking to hear for the first time. Moving on from, from missile silos, did either one of you find black holes? I did not. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, really? No? Yeah, I, re- I ran into a few black holes, actually. The the first one that I saw, I, I don't know that I immediately saw the black hole, or I just thought maybe you had to get real close for it to be a threat. Um but you know, I went in chasing that dark matter dark energy <laughs> um and I kind of wasted all my energy on boosting to get there so then you know once you get that singularity warning, um, oh yeah you're, you're pretty much you're pretty much screwed so
0: the singularity uh-huh. warning the that alarm in particular gives me anxiety
1: yeah because of yeah.
0: i I guess it's like the tone that it has and uh how fast it can get because the faster you get to the the center of that singularity and you're gonna get killed uh the the faster it gets and it it really just makes me feel really on edge and and scared for what i'm doing um Mm -hmm. and there was only one time where i attempted to get some of that uh dark matter or dark energy that hangs out around a black hole and i i was like i'm I'm not doing that again (laughs) even though i need the stuff i'm not doing it then i'm not it's not worth the risk
1: Yeah, I, I found myself going in um with the the MK3 um I I can't remember the name of the uh the device, but it, it allows you to pick up uh materials from 700 meters away. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Even even that like you, you still get the singularity warning um within that range. So it's kind of Yeah, Can you like you said. Insta- anxiety, jump out of it. Is a That's a good question. Maybe like um, in
0: theory I think you could. But, yeah. you know, that, that would have to be the last thing you do in the stage. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That is true. but that, that's a great way around it. Uh, there. What's really funny about this is that you can goad other enemies into just drifting into the black hole. Uh, there was one time when I was fighting uh, a Corvette that was in the area and I just didn't feel like I was doing the damage to it. So I turned and went around a black hole and got it to try and chase me, it got caught in the black hole's pole and couldn't escape and drifted into the singularity. The only downside to that is that I couldn't uh, salvage any of the the resources that came off of it, but Mm -hmm. still, it took care of the threat. And I was like, well, I guess that's one way to do it. Occasionally, you'll get ships spawning in the area that are getting attacked by enemies, and they will ask for your help. And, you know, you can help them out for a, a monetary reward, which is great. And, uh, but, but you do have to take out the enemies for them before they get shot down. And this thing was getting chased by enemies and just happened to fly into the black holes pole and got sucked into it. And I, I thought like, well, sorry, bro. I mean, I, w- I was going to help you out, but <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, uh, again like the black holes themselves are they're they're just scary because of uh, that noise that, they, that the alarm makes and then the sense that the closer you get to it uh, when you're in its pole the more your screen kind of shakes because your ship can't uh, can't like get a hold of its own inertia dampeners and gravity it's wreaking havoc on you and then your screen starts to go darker and darker the closer you get to it so it, it is creepy, I think, but beautiful at the same time. It reminds me of uh, the the black holes from the, the movie Interstellar, where they really made them great to look at, but they're terrifying at the same time. Those are all things that you might run into up to like Sector 3. And then when you get to Sector 4 and on, you could see those again, but you know, there's other stuff that comes into the mix as well. The character Seth is someone that's been chasing Adam Roslin for a while. They used to be friends. He starts to show up and attack you and he, he starts to confront you and argue with you about, you know, who you are. And this is where the story starts to unfold a little bit more. Uh, and you start to figure out like, like who this guy really is. And Seth, I guess was like, Your partner at some point and both of you were involved in this cloning program which was illegal and he wants revenge for exposing this program and like getting him sent to prison i guess uh the story was really wasn't clear for me at this point but uh matt do you have any other insight to to this point uh of interacting with seth
1: yeah i I was a bit murky on kind of the details there as well um but I, I believe he was like in in favor of this cloning program, whereas you were against it. So that was kind of some tension. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the first time that I I ran into Seth actually um, it was kind of one of one of my war stories. Um, I was actually having a really good run, so I had I had a good kick going, um, and I kind of melted him in terms of damage, and then all of a sudden I got swarmed by um, like an unrelentless amount of help and. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a frustrating way to end a good run. But.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it seemed like that kind of encounter it, which which was almost scripted, like it doesn't matter yeah. what you were doing, your your run was going to end at that point. Like the game intended yeah. it for you to, to end there. And that's what some roguelikes do, where they they just say, no matter what, no matter how good you're doing, we're gonna kill you now. And because that's that's part of the the progression of the story and again like that's really frustrating but it's a nature of the design of the game and you just kind of have to be able to to pick yourself up after those those terrible defeats and keep going
2: i kind of like that it does that (laughs) and i and, and i think it comes back to making the game one of those games where you don't have to pick up and play it for eight hours at a time yeah right and that's the beauty of it. You get and and the thing is you get better at it. Although I will say this. I will say this. It would be nice if that if if in these types of games they had like checkpoints where you could like it was just like, you know, jump you back to this checkpoint yeah or this because because you're right at the beginning of the game it's a little bit of a grind where you have to go build your kit and you're looting things and that's kind of where i got stuck a lot of times because like i said i'd pick up the game and i'd play it and then i'd be on there for like half an hour and then all of a sudden like my baby would say she had to go pee and my wife would give me a really terrible look and i'd be like (laughs) god damn it and so it would it would it would interrupt me but i i i I didn't feel like i was missing so much by not being able to play uh you know uh, the grind but the grind did take most of my time so it made Mm -hmm. it difficult for for me to get beyond like sector three like i've personally i've made it through almost the because the other thing we have to to tell people here is that you get to choose with the, the structure of this game is when you get to a new sector you have different paths that you can choose which is nice so you get some choice and it's like three or four different like uh levels or four or five maybe uh and i would get to those points and and i felt like i I would be satisfied with how far i got and i like that the game you know sets you back so it doesn't feel like you're getting too far behind in terms of the story progression if that makes sense yeah
0: but those those choices that you can make they they only give you a rough idea of what's ahead there's like a, they don't give you
2: any idea of what's ahead, really. Th-
0: there's like it's a just risk, a matter of chance. There, there's like a risk level of like it's either gray, yellow, or red, and that's that's how intense the risk is going to be for for like what's ahead. And then like they might tell you if there's like a trader or uh, a like a, a service station that you can repair your ship at, um, but that's it. Like there's also.
2: Also important to note that in this game, there are difficulty levels that you can choose, and I like how they set it up because it doesn't make you feel bad for taking the, the lesser one. It yeah. gets you 25% less cash, but they say we don't focus mostly on combat. It's more trade and economy, and that's kind of where I found fun in the game.
0: Yeah, but then so. when you start to get to Sector 4, you might run into Ancients, which are – I guess like they're they're like – Drones or, or machines that are uh, from an ancient alien race that uh, are, are around. And they let you unlock new upgrades. And like one of these upgrades lets you start in Sector 2 instead of Sector 1. So you pretty okay. much get to skip an entire level. But these these ancient fights are one of the hardest things that I, I found in the game. And I often tried to skip because they were so hard. Uh, like, Matt, what, what did you... What do you think about these ancient fights?
1: Yeah, they're interesting. Um, it's kind of a really different enemy from the rest of the game. Um, it's kind of a leads to a bit of shock factor when you run into it for yeah. the first time. Um, in terms of the actual fights, though, I don't think I had trouble with any of them. It was kind of the aftermath when you know you you, you kill it and it leaves mm-hmm. a black hole behind. Um, yeah, I found a couple instances where I, I, I have to try and kind of manage how close I am when I kill it because um once it goes down you know it's, it's gonna suck me in and kill me um yeah. and that i remember one particular instance where that really that happened um so i I ran a lot of drones and turrets on the ship that's kind of my my style um but they kind of blind you there's like a blinding effect so you can't see what's going on um and, and then- within that blinding effect um the the ancient died. So I, I didn't really know where I was in relation to uh, oh, to the no. ancient. And yeah, I got, yeah. I got absolutely screwed.
0: They also can teleport, which is even yeah. more frustrating to give you an idea of, of what these look like. They're just like this black ball that is enveloped in uh, an orange ring of fire. And so it looks like you're looking at an eclipse the whole time, but it, it is like this black ball. And then it shoots out, homing rockets that in like a, a daisy pattern all around it. And then they all turn when, when they spread out, they, they then turn and all come toward you. And I had no idea what I was going to do the first time I encountered this, but like one thing that, that does also show up in the game are uh, service stations. And I think these are part of the DLC, but what you can do is fly up to these space stations and they're not powered on and you have to fly around them and hit like seven different points within a few seconds to then power them up and unlock an upgrade and then uh, unlock uh, like like this repair field that you can fly through and uh, use to repair your ship. One of those was placed in the same stage that an ancient was in. And as I was fighting the Ancient, I caught a glimpse of the space station and realized I need to repair my ship and I can probably, uh, yeah, if I can repair my ship, I might be able to take this thing down. And I think this was the first time I, I killed one, but I ended up flying to the space station while the Ancient drone was chasing me and shooting rockets, and I was using the station itself as cover, which isn't very good because it is mostly just like this frame of a space station that you're flying around. And then you have to hit all these like seven different generators to then power it up. And while I'm zooming around, trying to power them up and find them on the space station, it's still shooting rockets and I'm, I'm still dodging them. And then my next strategy for that was, okay, I I've gotten my ship repaired and I'm still fighting it. The best way to dodge these missiles is to rush the ancient, and instead, like, instead of letting them like sit there and home in towards me, you boost yourself toward the drone, and the missiles can't lock onto you because, like, they're they're not curving sharply enough to to lock onto you. That's a great strategy, yeah, they... you know, until it dies and you're mm-hmm. right next to a black hole. And suddenly oh. it dies, and you have to boot. You have to turn around and boost away. And that's again, it, it's like really scary because all of a sudden the black hole alarm's going off, and you have to get out of there.
1: Yeah, the missiles sort of like accelerate. They they start off slowly, but they accelerate. So, you know, once it shoots it off, you have a a bit of a window to kind of boost towards the ancient. And yeah, yeah like like we said, um, you gotta kind of budget your boost to make sure if you're gonna kill it on that on that run. Mm-hmm. like towards it that you, you have enough boost that you can get away.
0: It wasn't until later that I realized it is all made up of shield energy, which means yeah. it is vulnerable to shield breaker missiles and any weapon that is really good against a shield. And that is so good to know. One of the first things I did when I realized that I was like, Oh, I've got 10 shield breaker missiles, just fire all of them off and it dies right away. I huh. couldn't believe it. So then I, I, an ancient and what you what you can do is like when you kill it you can go inside this giant structure that it, it floats around and you unlock uh, a special upgrade that is now permanent for your ship and you can install it on your ship at the start of the next run and then it also opens up a portal that lets you skip to the next sector no matter what stage you're on so you can like start in, in sector four and even if this is your first stage in Sector 4, you skip to Sector 5. That's it. Doesn't oh, matter. wow. And, and that's one way that I, I started to make my way through these sectors really fast. And at one point on one run, I killed an Ancient in Sector 4, took that skip, and the stage I dropped in in Sector 5 had an Ancient. So I said, all right, um, let's fight another one <laughs> and fought that one. And then got inside and took the the level skip to sector six and then got killed in sector six because I was not powerful enough and not prepared. But uh, eventually you get to sector seven and you find this lab that Seth confronts you at. You fight him and uh, he tries to get inside the lab and gets killed by the... I guess the the defenses that are there because they they'll only let in your DNA, and then you get instructed to find DNA fragments that are scattered across the the rest of space, and so the game, even though you've made it to the end, forces you to restart again and start more runs. Did you make it to the to sector seven, uh, Matt?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I, I beat the entire game actually.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that fight against Seth, I, I felt like by now, like after I had upgraded my ship enough and I knew what weapons worked really well for my style, the fight was really easy. Was it for you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of forgettable. I wouldn't say I, I remember it all that well, but I, <laughs> I definitely beat. I beat it on the first try. I can tell you that. So it must yeah. not have been that difficult.
0: Yeah. And, and then like after this point, Seth won't bother you anymore. And, you know, he's he's permanently dead. but. You know then you you start to have to do other runs and uh you know collect other like DNA fragments from other clones that now appear in random stages throughout all of these sectors but um you know as, as you do more of these runs, you might run into other stuff that shows up. one of the other hazards that i that I ran into one time was a star proximity zone. Did you ever run into pretty much like you've flown too close to the sun and this stage is burning your ship?
1: Yeah. I I ran into a few of those. Uh, The first one I ran into, um, wasn't too bad. I think the area was, um, not, not very hostile. So I didn't have much trouble kind (laughs) of hanging around there. Um, but pretty quickly your ship components start to overheat. Yeah. Um, as if they were damaged so
0: and different yeah it's
1: kind of yeah go ahead
0: yeah like different components of your ship can get damaged and yep. all of a sudden you can't use your your secondary weapons like you can't fire missiles or uh suddenly your shield stops recharging and that's another component of, of the game that creates a lot of randomness but when you're in the the proc the sun proximity zone these components just overheat and automatically take, not necessarily damage, like if you jump out of the area, they're going to be fine. But when they're overheating, they don't function anymore. So all of a sudden, your inertial dampeners might go off. And now it's like actually flying through space where your ship doesn't stop if you stop boosting forward. And all of a sudden, like you might crash into an asteroid.
1: Yeah, that was one of the more annoying kind of ship damages I found was the the inertia dampeners. Or Uh, I found it really hard to kind of maneuver and and strafe against enemies and stuff.
0: Yeah, or your sensors might go out and now Mm. you can't target enemies, which is really, you know, it's also annoying because then it's really hard to just attack anybody or defend yourself. But one of the worst is when your life support goes out and now (laughs) you're leaking oxygen and it's like... Beat the clock. You have to get out of here in a few minutes. Otherwise, you know, you're you're going to be dead. And it's even worse when there is uh, a jump suppressor in the area. You have to find this thing to then unlock the jump coordinates. And if your are uh, if your life supports like draining, you have just a few minutes before your runs over and that's it. You're dead in the solar zone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another one uh, that I think you mentioned was Dark Space. Did you ever run into Dark Space?
1: Yeah. Actually, the first time I ran into um, the, I think it's called the Grey Goo, I looked it up after. Um, yeah. It was in Dark Space, so I, I had no idea kind of what was going on. Um, it just kind of snuck up on me and uh, and messed me up. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and, and if it gets close to you, it just starts to corrode your ship, even if you have a shield.
1: Ooh. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't find those sections. Other than that, too bad. Because um, you still have your your yeah. sensors. But yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as, as annoying as the the nebula clouds in that regard. But uh...
0: I found it particularly annoying because I I played in a much more visual like I, I I the way I flew I was much more visually oriented than with my sensors and this pretty much was like flying through a thunderstorm at night.
2: Did you play in third person or first person?
0: Uh, I alternated between the two. Like, I, I felt like early on, uh, I I really liked the first person view, not with your cockpit view, because I did feel like the cockpit kind of gets in the way visually. But it's almost like you have a camera on the front of your ship. And that's that's one way I really like to play. And then I did, during like some of the more heated battles, I liked playing in third person because I felt like I could see more around me, what did you play in?
2: I played in third person uh, for the most part. Um, and that's because I just, I like seeing my ship move. Yeah. Um, although, I will say this, there were a few times where I felt like the ship got in the way, yeah. and I it kind of got a little annoying, so there, like I was playing and I was like, ah, I should switch to first person, but then I was like, ah, eh, I can do this. And so I never quite was annoyed enough to switch to first person, but it's something I want to try eventually. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And Matt, did you play in first person mostly or, or third person?
1: No, I played in uh, third person. Um, I, I didn't realize there was a, a button to, to switch until a few hours in when I accidentally um, <laughs> hit triangle. And, the,
0: and then you start to wonder, <laughs> what did I hit?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think third person was definitely better for those kind of combat situations yeah, um, for strafe. Yeah. I have a better aware of kind of where the shots are coming from and being able to strafe. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't bother to go with the first person view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So going back to like the dark space to give you more of an idea of this, it's like most of these, these stages that you jump into, there is some source of light from a nearby star. But in this case, it's like there's a thick nebula that has every, every now and then, a lightning strike going off that illuminates everything just for a second. So it strobes to give you an idea. There's an asteroid out there, but you really just can barely see in front of you and you have to rely on your sensors a lot more. This yep. is where I think I got the most scared by something because I was relying on my sensors here and it's really hard to see anything, but I also wasn't really paying attention to what these uh, items are that you can pick up uh, out there in space. I just could see that, like, oh, there's something for me to get there. You know, it's like credits or it's like maybe it's a, a new weapon, whatever. So I'm flying through dark space and just making my way around. And I see a couple of things that I can pick up way out there. But this is dark space, so all I see are the icons. And I didn't read the label. And I... I was like, well, I'm going to fly out there and get it. So I boost my way over there and the singularity alarm starts to go off and it's fast. I literally shout out, oh shit. And I turn around and get the fuck out of there. And I, I have no idea how close I was to that, but I was terrified because I (laughs) I was like, (laughs) my run is over because of something that I could not see. It's How in dark fast was it beeping? Jesus, are are you gonna see dark space in a? Are are you gonna see a black hole in dark space? No, but no. I should have been paying attention to that label that says dark energy, because dark energy hangs out around black holes, and uh, I I was like, that's it. No, no, no. I'm not doing this. I I'm jumping out of dark space right away. No way. Uh, but, or there, there are a couple other things that I only ran into in Sector Six. And did you ever run into a solar storm? Meaning like this is a solar flare happening. I did not. Okay. Uh, And and Matt, did you ever happen to upon this where like suddenly the sun, like whatever star in the area would just start spewing radiation?
1: Yeah, I ran into a few of those. Um, Those are also really anxiety inducing.
0: Yeah. Because Um, like whatever, wherever you are in that stage, you better find a, find something to hide behind, because like these deadly Northern Lights are just gonna start coming from this star, and as beautiful as they are, they are they're one of like one thing that will just melt your ship right out of the sky.
1: Yeah, I think I came pretty close to dying to one of them actually. There's yeah. there's absolutely like no cover in the entire area, so I just kind of had to jet out.
0: Yeah, the first time I ran into it, I. I thought to myself, oh, man, that star is particularly green. That's a nice one. And then mm-hmm. there was like a, a warning that came up that said like solar flare or something. And it started to like spew out this radiation. And I literally just go, oh, hell no. And boosted to the nearest uh, asteroid that I that I could find. And it was a particularly large asteroid that was holding uh, a large pirate base that I had to deal with. But at least I was out of the radiation. And then afterwards, right. like after I dealt with that, I could just sit there and admire like, oh, man, look at those waves. They're really nice. They're very deadly. But, man, they look beautiful. Uh, but the the last hazard that we haven't talked about is the Okar dreadnought. Uh, and I, I know, Matt, you've run into one of these at least. but At
1: least two, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. The first time I saw one of these, I thought it was a Corvette, but, you know, from a distance. And then I tried to fly closer to it and realized, oh, it's a lot bigger than a Corvette and got killed by it. What was the, the first time you took one of those down?
1: Yeah, so I kind of had a, a good warning from you um, <laughs> on dealing with that. So I was I was so more prepared. Yeah. Um, I held on to a lot of arcs or arc 9,000, I think it was called for yeah. those encounters. Um, those are super strong. Uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't have too much trouble with the, the first encounter. Cause like I said, I was kind of prepared, but there, there was um, kind of a, a, one or two surprise encounters. I, I think I lost to one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another encounter where I just kind of had to, to, to leave cause I, I couldn't take it down. Um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was very much a challenge um yeah but it, but it was a fun a fun challenge for sure
0: yeah to give you an idea it, tim it, it it's like flying in and seeing a battleship that you have to take down and you're you're just a small fighter and there are 10 electrical energy nodes on the ship that you have to target and destroy and uh like at the same time it is shooting a number of weapons at you Uh, And you're just trying to, to like, maneuver around and dodge all these shots at the same time, shoot both electrical nodes on the back end, uh, shoot two that are on the bottom, two on the top, two on the side. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. This
2: reminds me of free space, though. It goes back to, like, big giant ships that you just feel, like, insignificant against. But then, you know, Star Wars. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, you have to target the weak spots and Mm -hmm. take it down. And uh, that one, like after I, I figured out like a good routine and a good combination of weapons like the the plasma torpedoes and the beam weapons are great to use against them. Uh, so I got into a good routine of, of taking care of them. But then there was a sun proximity zone, and there is a dreadnought floating among the asteroids in, near the sun. And I, I think, okay, well, Again, this is like how fast can you take this thing down before one of your systems overheats? And uh, I got probably half of the electrical nodes before my sensors went out, so I couldn't target anything, <laughs> mind you. the The dreadnought also has a jump suppressor on it, so you can't jump out of this yep. out of the stage. And I I said like, well, okay, I've got. A few more electrical nodes to hit uh, I'll, I'll, i got some plasma torpedoes i'll line up very carefully and shoot those i got i think two left and my inertia dampeners go out from the solar uh heat and I, i'm like shit okay so my systems are going offline this is getting really bad At the same time, this feels really unfair because the Dreadnought is just hanging out next to the sun, not doing a fucking thing, and it's still shooting at me. I think I got one more electrical node and then got killed by it. And I was like, (laughs) well, damn. Oh, well.
1: Yeah, and you really had to budget your your energy for that encounter, too, because they shoot out these giant orbs. Um, You have a bit of time to, to boost out of them but like i said you had to budget your energy so that you do have enough that you can boost away because they they do insane amounts of damage
0: and if you're not paying attention it can really mess you up Yeah. yeah yeah so i i guess like the the only other good story with those is that i was sitting there and i feel really experienced in in taking these down i didn't have much left on my hull but i ran into a sector on one And I said, well, okay, let's go for it because there's no other way out of the stage. Take it down, and I think I've got about 25% of my hull left uh, after I've repaired everything else on it. Mm -hmm. And then I salvage what I can from the Dreadnought, say like, okay, well, I've gotten everything else in this sector. Let's get going. Jump out of it. And as the jump is starting to, to power up, I think to myself, Watch this, I'm gonna jump out of here in of this stage, and the next stage is gonna have another dreadnought. Sure enough, <laughs> another dreadnought.
1: Like, Crazy. fuck.
0: All right, let's go for this one too. And yeah, I got killed by that one, but <laughs> uh, you know, I got the first one. So yeah, you know, that that goes back to just the randomness of like anything can happen with your with your game, and yeah. who knows what the next run is gonna hold. But. If you do gather enough DNA pieces, you make it back to Sector 7 and you, you unlock the full potential of this cloning lab. Uh, the final story beat happens. And the Admiral, who started the whole cloning program, shows up to fight you in his carrier. And this is the final fight of the game. And I think I had to, like, Matt, you asked me, like, so is there anything after like fighting seth and i said oh yeah if you go back and like collect more dna fragments something else will happen i didn't want to spoil that for you but gork shows up in his giant carrier which is pretty much like a battle cruiser that we mentioned earlier and you have to fight him so he's got uh like this this huge thing with a shield and you have to I guess, like gather up an energy core from a nearby turret and then plug it into a missile silo, which then shoots a giant rocket at his ship. And you have to do that five times for his his ship to get destroyed. At the same time, he's sending out other uh, like Okar Marauders, which are the the heavy fighters at you. And he's also targeting you with a uh, huge thermal beam that will melt your ship faster than the solar radiation, uh, and and you ha- have to find cover from that thing at the same time deliver the energy cores to launch the missile. Uh, Matt, what what did you think of this last fight?
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was pretty good. Um, yeah, the, kind of the exact same mechanic as those solar flares. Um, yeah, you have to find cover and. <laughs> um, just kind of avoid that blast because you will take a lot of damage. What I found was really helpful for me um, because you only have like a certain window of launching those missiles from your, your silo because he's charging up his shield um, was to have the device that um, made you boost really fast. Yeah. Um, so that allowed you to kind of quickly get from one core to the, the silo to get your, your missile launched off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is where I think, Having the DLC installed really helped me out and helped my playstyle. Was because uh, one of my favorite weapons that I realized was kind of overpowered was the missile battery, and it shoots out like six missiles at once that all home in on enemies. And so what I would do is uh, like start the fight and then fly down and throw uh, throw energy into the missile silo. But if anyone I think if any fighters, like more than two fighters started tracking me, I immediately turned around and shot one of those missile batteries and they would just get blown away because (laughs) it's like shooting 10 missiles at once. It's ridiculously overpowered. And I ended up going into the fight with 20 of those loaded onto my ship. That was the only weapon I had. (laughs) Yeah. So it, yeah,
1: I think the, the first time I did that encounter, I saved up, like, four arcs, because I expected it to be just kind of like a, a normal fight, you know, where you use your your current weapons, but yeah. it, it wasn't like that.
0: Yeah, it was, it was kind of—it uh, it, it was very unique, in a sense. And yeah. did you—like, uh, we, we were talking about this as you were fighting, but, like, did you end up damaging him and then getting killed?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got him— um, I think down to two bars. Uh-huh. Um, so I was, I was using um, one of the enhancements that um, allowed you to have an unlimited radar. So once you enter one of those levels, you, you knew exactly what was kind of around you and what you could spend time getting. And um, you knew once that area was done, you could just leave. Um, but the downside to that enhancement was that you couldn't see enemy health bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that first encounter, it showed me his health. Um, so I, I knew how much more I had to do to kill him, but then I, I lost on that encounter. And when I came back, um, my, his health wasn't shown to me. So I wasn't oh. sure if he was, if his health had reset or if it carried over from previous runs. Yeah. Um, but it, it did end up carrying over. So that was, that was cool.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's entirely possible that like, you know, if you take him down, if you get him like twice and then end up getting killed maybe you could come back and he has like already had two damage done to him because it's not like the game is resetting. It's like, you're a new clone that's showing up and fighting him. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, And then after you, you blow him up and his ship explodes and kills you in the process, you know, you have to like get a new clone. If you want to start another run, if you get back to the lab area and get like, if you get all the way through the six sectors and get to Sector Seven, and show up at the lab. It's just a crater. That's all it is. <laughs> there's nothing left, <laughs> and that's that's the end of the game. Uh, you know that that is uh, like one other disappointing thing that I have, where like it would be really cool if you if they would give you that fight again at the end of the game, but you know it, there's not really much of an incentive to make it all the way through after you've killed gork right but you know all the way up until like like the the very very end of the game it's a ton of fun and it it still is fun to cruise around after that it's just that i wish they would provide you with a a boss fight at the end every time like other roguelikes do but this one didn't so um still it, it was really cool really fun Um, Tim, do you, you have any final thoughts about the game in general?
2: Um, I think it's fantastic for anybody who doesn't have a lot of time to game and wants to pick up and play a game that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can still find enjoyment. in. even if you're not, you know, I, I, I plan on trying to make it to the end at some point, it's gotta be a slow burn for me, but again, I feel comfortable picking it up and playing it whenever. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's, it's worth it.
0: Who knows what you're going to find along the way, too. Yeah.
2: Right. That's the exciting part is I'm going to have my own experiences that nobody else is going to have. So I will have my okay. stories. And I still have some. So
0: Oh, good. Like, do you have any others that you want to tell?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, whenever I play it, I'm playing on my couch or on my chair, and I've got two kids sitting around me. So it's very much engaging to the whole family. It's not too violent. Okay, I think okay. It, it. And again, the controls are, are where it comes down to the controls, and then also the ability to. Because for those like me who want to get in and just kind of have a, a not not a, I'm gonna fight everybody experience, it has that option to go more that economy and culture way, which I like, uh, and and I have fun exploring and and reading all the little tidbits about all the little uh, companies you 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 meet along the way. Mm-hmm. There's little stories that you can you know side side stories and whatnot that you can you know, kind of venture your way into the world kind yeah. of in a way.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite ship and favorite weapon so far?
2: Well, so far I, I like the, I, I've only played a little bit with the scout ship. Cause that's the, I, I haven't bought the, uh, the the third one yet. Cause I'm trying to get all the the perks purchased first. Yeah. Um, so that I can make it through. But I like the, I like the base ship that you, they give you. Cause it, it goes back to that kind of X-wing feeling. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm pa- comparing things to Star Wars, the the scout ship very much feels like an A-wing, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mixed equate with it a to thing from Cloud yeah, City.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I equate it to a, a TIE fighter. Like it, it yeah. feels like it will fly circles around everything else, but it is pretty weak if it gets hit.
2: Yeah. So I feel very vulnerable flying around in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then the the gunship was my favorite. Uh, it feels a little bit slow, like you're you're driving a tank, where it will take a beating. And just keep going. So uh, I loved that one, uh, Matt. Do you have a favorite uh, ship or weapon?
1: Yeah, I, I stuck with the the gunship as well. Um, yeah, once once I bought that, there was there was no going back. I didn't even buy the third ship in the in the base game. So <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and I I also really liked um, it, it. Also fit my my playstyle in a way with the the turrets. So I kind of like having and drones because I, I like having that option of just npcs fighting for me you yeah know? Uh, so
0: yeah uh and and also like i just i loved how beautiful this game was all the way through like it it just looks stunning visually well uh, thank you both of you for for joining me to talk about everspace uh this again this game i loved this game just playing playing it and flying around in space
1: i did too yeah it was fantastic Yep. And one last thing, uh, shout out to one of the clones I killed in the end game. Oh, um, his name was uh, Lars Honey Toast.
0: <laughs> I think, I think that is fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I didn't run into any clones uh, that were particularly memorable. And I think that's the best one that, that I've heard so far.
1: Yeah. When, once I saw that one, I kind of paid attention to future ones for interesting, but uh, that, that easily um, was the best one. <laughs>
0: All right. Again, thank you both for for being with me and talking with me about Everspace. And thank you all for listening. Again, next month we will be talking about Tetris Effect, and you too can share your own thoughts about Tetris Effect by writing in to psplusgameclub at gmail.com. But until then, remember to have fun playing around and have a good day.